Rocky, I think, is actually the only boxing movie that I've seen. Oh, because wow. not to spoil my recommendations, but I was trying to think, like, oh, is there any boxing movies that I've seen that I like that I could do for recommendations? And nothing came to mind. Like, I haven't even seen something sci-fi, like Real Steel with Hugh Jackman. Like, I mean, I own Raging Bull. I was going to watch The Survivor, which is a true story about a World War II Jew, I think, who the Nazis. I don't want to. Since it's true, so I don't want to start randomly going, but it was something like that where he was fighting kind of for the Nazis' enjoyments. But I, I never got a chance to watch that, so really, I think Rocky's the only boxing movie, which is holy kinda, cow! Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think. <laughs> have you seen the other movies in the Rocky franchise? No, I have never. I I own I got like a box set of all the Rockies, and I own Creed, but. I mean, I've seen you, a couple of clips of Creed on uh, YouTube, but no, I haven't watched any of them yet. You've They're never seen list. Rocky Four? No, no. You've never seen? I did. No. Doll, no, is it I three where where Rocky and Apollo have the training montage where they're running on the beach and then hugging the water in slow motion? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think that's the one where he fights uh, Clubber Lang. Yeah, Mr. T. Mr. T. Yeah, that's like the greatest moment in. In a series that has a ton of great training montage moments, that is the single best moment in any Rocky training montage. Maybe in any movie training montage, period. Those you know, two <laughs> running on the beach and then hugging in slow motion is just like maybe next to the volleyball scene in Top Gun, that is peak, you know, cinematic homoeroticism. I was just about to bring up Top Gun saying, what was up with the 80s and grown men flexing their guns on the beach? The beach is sexy, man. The beach is sexy. The beach is still sexy. I mean, Top Gun Maverick, look at that beach football scene. I mean, come on. Can you guys name any good tennis movies? I know, Duke, Um, you said that you haven't seen a lot of or any boxing movies? Uh, oh yeah, boxing. Hey, hey, I've watched sports movies. Hello, Airbud. Um, well, no, no, tennis specifically. <laughs> uh, Unless there's a Battle a of the Sexes Airbud. with uh, Steve Carell and uh, Emma Stone. I don't. Oh, think was that good? Are. That's a biopic of well, the Battle of the Sexes, which was I don't know. I forget their tennis, the actual real life people, but it was uh, the world's greatest male, and then the world said something like, "Oh, I could easily beat the." world's greatest female so then they fought they uh battled and then the female i think it was close but i think she she kicked his ass but then when they did battle the sexes again afterwards which isn't in the movie but then yeah i think the man won i don't know but anyway the first one so it's the battle of the sexes between the i think it was the best male and the best female this was set in the 70s it was quite good i i mean i like steve Carell and emma stone so yeah uh, i don't I don't think it was the best. Um, Have you seen it? Tennis player. Well, I mean, it's based on a true story. I haven't seen it though. No. I'll, I'll just Google. This is the the, um, the female was Billie Jean King. I can't remember who the yes. guy. But I don't think the guy. The guy was either. Was he older? Uh, I, I don't think he was not like the best. It was Bobby Riggs. He uh, was that the. That didn't even ring a bell. He was the world number one professional in 1946 and 47. 
the movie is set in 1970. So, yeah, it was past his prime. I think, again, I didn't, it came out in 2017, so I haven't watched it since then. At age 29, Billie Jean King won the Battle of the Sexes tennis match against the 55 year old Bobby Riggs. So, is that the only uh, tennis movie that we could? Yeah, I didn't watch. Actually, I haven't watched King Richard, but I mean, is there how many tennis movies are there? Like, I can't think it of it. Might any just besides. be those. It might be those no, two. There's another one. There's another one with. Um, I can't think of the. I can't think of the actor's name, and I actually might be wrong. You know how sometimes you picture a certain actor, but it's actually not the right person. There's another one that I think is either set at Wimbledon or around Wimbledon, but I can't remember what it's called. Oh, uh, Borg versus McEnroe? Mc- no. The Wimbledon? No, There's it's, a Wimbledon no it's, it's a... Wait, was that, is that a movie, Wimbledon? Wimbledon with Kirsten Dunst and Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany, yeah, that's it. That's the one. I've never seen it, though. I guess there's a bunch of rom-coms, it looks like. I was thinking more at uh, drama... Uh, like a classic uh, sports kind of. movie. Yeah. yeah, this this looks like Jesus. I get, I gotta type in if I type in just Wimbledon. Yeah, I think it's a rom com. Mrs. Doll Baby likes that, huh? She got you to watch uh, it. No, oh, John I, I, Fa- I, Sam no. Neil. Oh, Dahlgren. I might have to watch this now. This, this is a good cast. <laughs> the only way, the only reason I know about it is because it has to do with tennis. James Mc McAvoy. I don't know how you say his last name. McAvoy. 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 Yeah, I've said it. McAvoy, Kirsten Dunst, Paul Bettany, Sam Neill, uh, Nicolaj Coster Waldo, John Favreau. That's a lot of players playing themselves. I mean, that's a pretty good cast for 2004. That's a lot of. Yeah, definitely a lot of a lot of names. Those are names of actors. <laughs> Those are actors that uh, we know of. Yep, for sure. Um, but Duke. We're not going to let you get off this easy with just throwing out that this is the only boxing movie that you've seen. Let let me let me. No no no. Let me give you this, Raph. Do I need no, no, to there's... see another boxing movie? Is this not the greatest boxing movie? Doll, mm-hmm. help me out. Um. Yeah, I think it is. But there <laughs> are, there are other good ones. I mean, I'm going to watch the rest of the Rockies. I will watch Raging Bull. Cinderella Man. Cinderella, I don't know who's in that. Cinderella man with the uh, with the uh, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Ah no, Russell Crowe. Oh, he's fine. I haven't Russell seen Crow's Million Dollar Baby, but that's on my list. Is that a tennis movie? No, that's oh, that's a boxing movie. Yeah, it's yeah, boxing. Yeah. We're, we're, we're back to Rocky boxing. now. Yeah, yeah. We're you back know, to Clint Eastwood. I don't know. I might watch never that. seen Million Dollar Baby. Who is that? Same. Is that Renee Zellweger. Hillary Swank. Hillary Swank. They kind of look the same. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> both blonde, both were famous around the same time. Isn't Hillary Swank a brunette? Famously? No, yeah. She's blonde. Oh, whatever. I've always said <laughs> No, she's brunette. You're crazy. You know, they both have heights. They're both between, you know, four foot zero and six foot two, probably. <laughs> they're, both, they're both female. I mean, they're practically yeah. the same. They have hair. Right, yeah, and yeah, eyebrows. Okay, and all that good stuff. you guys, that's enough picking <laughs> on Duke. It's because um, you haven't seen it. 
I'm pretty surprised that you haven't seen any of the other Rocky movies. Uh, you These know what? Are... It's funny because I was thinking that exact same thing. You know what it I is? I started my rewatch, but then I watched Rocky and I'm like, you know, this is good. But it's also, it's like once you watch it, you're like, I don't need to watch Rocky 2 right away. And I feel like that's always what happens. I watch it, I'm just like, that was good, but I don't need to watch the sequel right now. And then I just don't. And you then I watch Rocky. I but I, I, around. I think I, 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 think I realize order. what it is. Okay. Doll, the, the thing, the reason why Duke hasn't seen all of the Rocky movies, th- those are American classics. And Duke is famously not American. Oh, yeah. Class. As a Canadian, he doesn't care about Rocky defeating the Soviet Union to win the U.S. the Cold War. He should because, you know, we did that for, for them too, but right. he doesn't I mean, care he the same way that we care. He basically, I mean, Rocky basically saved Canada from nuclear fallout as well just by beating the Russian. Wow. Yeah. You're welcome, Duke. Yeah. Maybe yeah, I, we did that maybe, for you. Maybe Creed Ford will have Michael B. Jordan face off against a moose, and then that'll get me to binge watch the entire series. <laughs> He'll fight against uh, famous Canadian uh, Ryan Gosling or famous Canadian Justin Bieber. Oh, boy. Maybe Drake. That would be fun. Who wouldn't want to watch Michael B. Jordan beat the crap out of Drake in a boxing ring? I, I, can, I can think of a few other Canadians I'd rather get seeing the shit kicked out of them first. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't have to go through all of them. No, uh, no, no. Not not right now, at least. Gentlemen, we are we're here today. We got another great episode of the canon for you. Um, it's officially summertime, right? Uh Memorial Day just passed. Well, it's not for Duke because again, he's Canadian and doesn't celebrate the great American holiday that is Memorial Day. But no nope. for Doll, for you and me, and for all other Americans, it's officially unofficially summertime for us. Yeah, well, it feels like it here already. I mean, it's 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 rather steamy, and uh, I'd rather that we just rewind back to spring or even winter. No, you're no. in Texas, right? Yep, good old Tejas. Yeah, so it's definitely hot down there. Well, I hope you're staying cool. No better way to stay cool than by staying inside and watching amazing movies like Rocky. Eh? Eh? Mm-hmm. Eh? Or listening to the Canon podcast. Uh, or staying uh, cool, cranking up the AC, and throwing on a good old episode of the Canon. Or, uh, we've or, got, or watching or, Rocky while enjoying some Rocky Road ice cream. Uh, uh? Nice. No? Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Yep. Or, or watching all of the Rocky movies and the Creeds too. Why not? Um, no, no, just Rocky one over and over. Oh, <laughs> That's all I do. Damn it, Duke. No, Whoa. no, hey, rap, rap. This actually reminded me of something. Rocky, and I think Dahl will agree with me, Rocky and First Blood are kind of like interesting franchises, I believe, because Rocky ends where like you don't need a sequel. Like if mm-hmm. Rocky never had a sequel, no one would watch Rocky and go, Oh, I wish there was a sequel. You know, there might be some people who would like to see the character, but it's not like Rocky leaves. You know, there's no sequel set up. There's no hints. Like even Creed and Rocky at the end, you know, Apollo's going, ain't going to be no rematch. 
between them. Like it's basically saying like, do not expect a sequel because these guys will not be fighting again, even though I think they do in a later one. But it's interesting, you know, watching Stallone's first couple leading role movies and then kind of seeing how like the franchise that kind of evolved around them and how they kind of, I mean, Rambles completely different than First Blood, but I think, you know, Rocky's kind of maintained, a, you know, like they're kind of all similar tone until I think Creed 3, Stallone doesn't necessarily think that's a good one, but or it doesn't have the oh. same tone. I remember him reading what's an interview. Up, what's up with the guy who hasn't seen any of the Rocky movies telling us about the tone of the Rocky movie? <laughs> Dogren, <laughs> am I wrong? No. I, I think that I, I think that uh, the Rocky franchise has regained, has regained a little bit of its shine over the years. I mean, it lost some along the way because, I mean, you know, I think in the 80s and early 90s or all through the 90s, it was probably seen as a cash grab. And, I mean, let's be honest, there wouldn't have been a sequel or any sequels if it wasn't a smash hit. And the same can be said of uh, First Blood. And both both... Rocky and First Blood are just superior movies to any in, in those franchises. And uh, uh, as, a, as an aside, I, I, I really wished that they would have just kind of put the cap on on Rambo in the same way that they did with Rocky Balboa and gone back to a more serious tone for the character instead of the splatter, you know, extreme violence, stupidity that they did with yeah, with the sequels later on it's just it was just very disappointing i think that was, there was a way more interesting thing you could have done with that capping off that franchise than what they did rocky balboa is a, a really good movie or, uh, i'm sorry is it balboa i'm blanking right now it sounded uh, the exact same to me both times you just said it so i'm not sure what the actual name of that one is i haven't i haven't seen that one Oh, but that one's Balboa. That one is Rocky Balboa. That, that's just Balboa, or is it Rocky Balboa? It's Rocky Balboa. Rambo Four is just Rambo, and then it's Rambo Last Blood. Got it. That's silly. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about Rambo <laughs> more. Uh, I think there is a First Blood episode coming coming down in the canon at, at some point in the future. Uh, so we'll get to all that good stuff then. But in terms of Rocky Doll, I think you brought up a pretty interesting point and something that I think is not necessarily a hot take, but a take that some people might disagree with. And I am open to really either side of the conversation, but you mentioned that the first Rocky movie is probably the best out of the franchise. I was wondering if you could just walk us through how you were first introduced to the Rocky franchise to this movie, Rocky itself. Was this the first one that you saw? Did you watch a different one first and then revisit this? Just walk me through how you were sort of introduced to Rocky at first. Yeah, that story is pretty much the same for most of those movies from that era. It was my parents. My parents were big movie fans and, you know, went to the movies all the time. I know they went to see Rocky at the theater. I'm pretty sure that Rocky was the first one that I saw probably on TV and yeah, Rocky's pretty personal for me, I guess, because I have some very vivid memories from childhood that are centered around that. I, in fact, I remember, I remember very, very vividly when I was little getting my first pair of boxing gloves and my dad getting down on his knees and like teaching me how to box. 
<laughs> I remember he he gave me a bloody nose one time by completely by accident. <laughs> I mean, it felt <laughs> terrible. You know, it was a, it was one of those yeah. just parental mishaps. He he definitely was not. I probably walked into a punch or something, but. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really you guys weren't thing. weren't sparring in the in the ring. <laughs> yeah, but I was like a you know I was a kid on the on the living room floor you know boxing with my dad and uh, and you know despite that sounding like borderline child abuse, it's a great memory. You know, I, I mean, my, yeah. our, some of my some of my best memories of of childhood are are doing sports and stuff with my dad. And so Rocky was you know Rocky was just another one of those kind of windows into. The sports world and my relationship with my dad and so yeah that that's that's how i got into the rocky franchise and i would say it meant quite a bit to me over the years um for that reason i love that that's awesome duke i know you haven't seen any of the other ones but what what was your first introduction to i guess just this movie this first rocky movie this was back when we were all on a the predecessor of Screen Age Wasteland. We were doing, we were going through AFI 100 greatest film, something like that. 100 years, 100 movies with AFI. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rocky was on it. And similar to the canon, which we do on Screen Age Wasteland now, you know, we each would write up a movie. And so I picked uh, Rocky. So I watched it for the podcast. Or not podcast, sorry. I I watched Rocky for the um the old canon, I'll call it. And uh yeah, I loved it. It was great. I mean I repurposed that uh right up for Screen Age Wasteland when we did the canon, the written version of the canon, or the written version of Rocky for the canon. <laughs> and uh going back and rereading it, I mean 2019 Duke. Ugh. Such a better writer than 2023 Duke. I mean, I'm reading a lot of people are saying that. (laughs) Yeah, how much worse I've gotten with age. Yeah, uh, but no, so that's that was it. It was again through this community, otherwise, I don't know when I would have gone around to watching Rocky. I mean, the yeah, doing canon stuff for the canon. I mean, The Graduate, I've watched because of it, a couple other shows or movies. So, yeah, no, that was entirely like that. And, again, I mean, I just haven't gotten around to watching the sequels, but I'm going to try. You should try. I want to get I want to get to Creed because, unlike a lot of people, I actually like legacy sequels. I think it's mm-hmm. cool revisiting a character after you. Like, as opposed to, say, like the Fast and Furious franchise, you know, where we've seen these characters continuously for over 20 years now i like kind of picking up with the character when you haven't seen them after you know 10 20 years so i'm interested to kind of see the time jump i think also rocky balboa is kind of a legacy sequel before that was a term and then creed and you know and then dolph lundgren comes back for um creed 2 so it'll be cool to see these characters that pop up through the franchise kind of come back so no i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna I'm going to tell this right here on the podcast before the end of 2024, I'll have watched all the Rocky films. Got to give myself a little time, but I'll watch them. We will, we'll check back in with you at the end okay. of 2024 to see, we're going to, we're going to hold you to that. Um, it's documented. Can, it's here. season four. It'll be like, Oh, we got Duke back on just yeah, to see if he's finished just, the Rocky films. That's it. That's, that's it. 
We're going to have you back just for that. It's been etched in the cloud. Yeah, this is forever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this isn't Disney Plus or HBO Max where we just wipe content from the face of the earth. Those words are forever, Duke. So we're going to hold you to that. I think you should check out the other Rocky movies. I was first introduced to Rocky. I think just sort of like watching them on TV. You know, when I was when I was a kid, I think the first ones that I saw were Rocky three or four. Um, I remember, you know, on TV, on like TMC and all that good stuff. And AMC, remember when AMC used to actually play movies? That was cool. Mm -hmm. So for like 4th of July weekend, they would always do Rocky marathons. And I remember watching those two and thinking that Rocky was like the coolest character ever. Just a total badass. The way that he, you know, boxed and went went about his business and, and everything like that. And then it wasn't until I had seen all the other ones and, you know, had seen four, you know, 10 times. It, it, it wasn't until then that I finally decided to to sit down and watch the original. And, you know, I think I watched the original when I was in high school. And having come from Rocky Four, Rocky Three, maybe even Rocky Two a little bit, where there is a lot more boxing, I thought Rocky One was like, a little boring the first time i watched it it's like where's all the boxing this is a, this isn't a boxing movie this is just people talking this is like this is a romance movie about rocky and that lady from the pet store what, what's the deal with this when when do they get to fighting Adrian. but you know obviously <laughs> we were waiting for it but obviously you know rewatching it this movie is absolutely spectacular for so many so many so many reasons that i think we're about to get into and I think, you know, a movie like Rocky is really special for the canon because it's not only a great movie, you know, as a standalone sort of film and an achievement of cinema, but it is a really important movie in the history of cinema. You know, this movie has a lasting legacy and sort of like changed the industry in a lot of really cool ways. But then also, Doll, like what you were talking about, this is a movie that for a lot of people means a lot to them in their personal lives, especially based on when they watched it and who they watched it with. So I am really excited to to talk about all these things with you guys. I guess we can start with just sort of the movie itself and what makes the movie so special. So, Duke, I don't know if you want to talk us through, you know, your thoughts on why Rocky is so great as a piece of cinema. Oh man, you know, it's interesting. You would, I'm going to jump in on that point where you were making where it doesn't have that much boxing. I mean, rewatching it uh, before we recorded earlier, I had paused to get some water or something, and I paused right before the, the match. And there was like 19 minutes left in the movie, and I thought, wow, like, yeah, there's like the big, the whole kind of point, this big Apollo Creed versus the Italian Stallion. It's like in the last 19 minutes of the movie, which is, you know, now you'd have that match be like, well, you'd have them fight a couple times and all that. So it's, it's, I think it's important kind of, it's, it's a kind of like a, it's a time box, you know, it's like, this is how we used to make, you know, sports dramas, you know, where it's more character. You focus more on the character than the actual sports. You're actually following this character. And it's really, I mean, you can kind of tell 
uh, that, you know, Stallone wrote it. This is, you know, he's very familiar with uh, the character of Rocky Balboa, the terminology, kind of that lifestyle that Rocky Balboa is in, which, you know, originally United Artists weren't interested at all in Stallone taking the role because he he had no leading man experience. And it's hard to imagine, like, anybody kind of bringing that energy to Rocky Balboa, kind of like a more established actor. You know, I think part of the reason is because this is one of his most iconic characters after Rambo. You know, he, he, he will always be these Rocky and Rambo, just as, you know, Harrison Ford will always kind of bring it with Indiana Jones, you know, doesn't take a a genius to look at the Indiana Jones five trailers. And whether you think that movie is going to be terrible or not, you can see that Ford is having a hell of a time playing Indiana Jones again. So there's just these, it's the right moment combination of the actor and the role and the pairing where it just kind of blends together and magic movie magic is born. Movie magic is born. Dahl, what do you have for us in terms of Rocky movie magic? Just sort of first off as a as a movie, uh, the story, every all all that stuff. What, what do you have for us? There's a lot of reasons why I think that it's an amazing movie. I mean, it's just well made. I don't think that's at all in dispute by anybody for the time, especially considering that Stallone wasn't a name. He crushes that role. I mean, you. I actually think that that Stallone has this image of sort of the the dolt, like um, not a not a particularly intelligent guy, and I think it's because he's so utterly convincing as that character, and that just sort of stuck with him over the years. Not true at all. He's pretty intelligent if you read some of the things that he's written. So there's a lot about the movie that I think just make it a great movie. The way it's made, the way it's directed, the way it's written, the way it's acted, the score, genius. But I think the movie has just a gigantic set of balls. And it does something that I don't think a lot of movies at the time... Well, I take that back. Movies coming out of the 60s probably would have done this. Maybe that is kind of indicative of the time. But Rocky doesn't win. He loses at the end. Mm -hmm. He doesn't win. And I think that's pretty miraculous. I mean, when you think about other movies at the time, I don't know. I mean, imagine if the shark wins in Jaws. Imagine if um, they don't blow up the Death Star in Star Wars. How is this movie a hit, such a gigantic hit, and the hero doesn't win? I, I don't know. To me, that's just that's astounding that you can, you yeah, can make a movie I, that speaks to that many people. He's the underdog. People want to see the underdog win, but yet it's still this incredibly successful movie. Dahl, I'm, I'm happy you, you brought us here because this is a definitely a point of discussion that we should, that we should hit on. I feel like Rocky part of the, the appeal of Rocky and part of why it blew up and, you know, birthed the huge franchise and made Stallone a star the way that it, that it did is because is because of the context that it, it exists in, in sort of cinema and, I would say even like American history, I think between like from the sixties through like early seventies, I think the country was kind of grappling with a lot of, you know, sort of tough realities of, 
you know, not realize and not thinking that everything was as black and white as it maybe felt in the 40s after the war or the 50s after the war. You know, things felt a little a little bit more confused. You you weren't sure if you could trust your president and, you know, all of that stuff. We don't have to get into the history of all of that. You know, I think most of our listeners are are aware of of those things happening. And I feel like the movies at the time really reflected that, you know, I was looking at the list of, of movies at this beat out for the Academy Award and the movies that came out around this time. And, you know, one of the one of the movies that this beat was Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver, which I feel like is a very um, and, and the other one was was All the President's Men, which is literally mm-hmm. about Watergate. Yeah. It's literally about how everything is so screwed up and nothing is good and everything just sort of feels hopeless in American life. And then Rocky comes along. And it's this great underdog story and he doesn't win at the end, but he does achieve his goal. All he wants to do is go 12 rounds with the champ and he does that. And that is enough of a win for all of us. It reminds all of us about the power of like the human spirit and what we can do and that there is still good in the world. And I feel like that's why Rocky like really stuck the way that it did with people. Duke, do you have anything more for us on the topic of this being like the ultimate underdog movie? I mean, kind of speaking, I guess you you kind of said it already, you know, Rocky never wanted to win. I mean, sure, winning would have been nice, I think, but he just wanted to go the distance and he did that. And I mean, Creed won, which he needed to win. He would have, I think he wouldn't have been too happy if he lost. And then Rocky held his own. And I mean, I don't know. You mean, I mean, at the end of the day, Rocky did what he wanted and he earned Creed's respect, which I mean, I think that's what a lot of people just kind of aim for. And they're like, you know, these underdog stories, they don't, I almost think it's more realistic this way. You know, mm-hmm. the world's worst soccer team somehow manages. I mean, I think Ted Lasso's doing this right now. I'm not in the, I haven't watched too much of season three, but you know, if you, if it's just a, you know, an hour and a half film where somehow this, team sucks and a good coach comes in takes these kids under their his wing and then they miraculously win the championship it rings a bit hollow in my opinion where rocky you know he's he's putting in the effort you have that great training montage and you know creed's the one that kind of was just thinking this was going to be a fun match and then you know kind of rocky you know he loses but he also wins he's done this for himself he didn't do it for anybody else he didn't do it for the belt or the championship title i don't know it just it feels a bit more realistic which i think is something a lot of these films of today are missing is a bit of realism a bit of heart a hundred percent but it's it's realistic in a way that the rest of the movies at the time weren't right it's like realistic but hopeful um yeah. sorry doll i cut you That's, off no 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 not at all I, i'm glad you I'm glad you brought up what you brought up earlier, Raph, because even as I was saying that Rocky was probably indicative of the movies at, of its time, it was occurring to me that, yeah, it, it would be something to do in New Hollywood to not have the, the hero win, but it would have been a cynical take. And you're absolutely right. You said the exact word that I think is the correct word, hopeful. He works hard, puts in the effort. He's a nobody. He comes from nothing. Um, and all he wants is a shot and he gets his shot and he goes the distance and it's um, it, it leaves us with hope. And, you know, you had 
Amer great American cities crumbling, falling apart. Look at any of the movies at the time. You have all this urban decay. Um, people are not hopeful. They are out of work. You know, and, uh, jobs are going overseas. You have, you know, attempts to try and reconcile, you know, issues with racism. You have, like you mentioned, Raph, um, you can't trust your president. It's very, it's a very you know, new, new Hollywood movies were very cynical. They weren't sure whether we were going to be able to hold out much longer as a country, whether we could turn things around. And I think Rocky is saying that we can on a personal level, and maybe it's saying that we could as a country. It's interesting, though, that Apollo wears the Stars and stars and Stripes. <laughs> yeah. I don't, know, I don't know what that means, but... but I, um, I don't either, but I think Dahl kind of similar to what you're getting at what did you guys make of the movie being set in philadelphia at you know the bicentennial anniversary of uh of the united states you know the in philly the birthplace of of the country and here's this underdog you know sort of similar to i guess like our country's origin story well duke i guess not yours I can't speak for this. That's gonna that's gonna have to be Dahlgren. Well, I'm kind of reeling right now because I'm I'm seeing all these different levels of this movie now that I, or at least a couple different levels that I hadn't really considered before. And you know, you mentioned all the president's men, um, Watergate and stuff like that. And you know, there were there were some cases for sure at that time of kind of the smaller guy taking on. I don't know, corruption, the big, like big government. I don't, I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe that's just kind of a, maybe it's in the background of that movie. Um, you know, the little guy, the little guy can make a difference. And I wouldn't say that Creed is, Creed is not necessarily painted as a bad guy. That's probably another plus uh, in this movie's column, uh, plus column. He's not, he's cocky, but I don't think he's a bad guy. And maybe he just needs a, a check, a wake up, wake up check. And maybe that's what, what Rocky as a little guy does. That's, that's really interesting. Actually, that, that just kind of came out of this conversation. I'd never really thought about that. That's in I also had never really thought about Creed, not really being a bad guy. He's just, he's just there, right? He's more of an opportunity for Rocky. And maybe that's why he is dressed and decked out in all the uncle Sam gear and all of that stuff. You know, he represents the opportunity that is available in America. As long as you, are willing to put the work in and believe in yourself and, you know, do what it takes to take advantage of that opportunity. I don't know. Again, we're, I think we're both uh, sort of in the same boat of just, we're coming to new realizations about what this movie, what's happening in this movie on a couple of different layers as we're talking it out, yeah. which is I the beauty that. of podcasting. I, I love that reading that you just, I, I love that. Yeah. That, that's, that's wonderful. By the way, I love Carl Weathers. Uh, I still do. Uh, I love seeing so him. charming and Mando. I love seeing him get a comeback. And I think for a while he was kind of played off as a joke, you know, punchline. So it's really good to get to see him kind of come back and be in, be in front of the, in front and behind the camera. I uh, just, I loved him in those, those Rocky movies and really just anything else. Hell, I went to see action Jackson at the theater. So <laughs> he, Carl Weathers is confirmed. Awesome. Dahl, I know you touched on this before, but Sly being someone who gets painted as sort of a dope because he was able to play that role so well in this movie, 
but I feel like, I mean, I think a lot of people do know this, but I also think a lot of people don't know this. Duke, were you surprised to learn that Sly wrote this movie? And what are your uh, thoughts on that? On the fact that this all is kind of his brainchild? I wasn't surprised because, again, maybe, again, I watched this and then I was doing research for um, the Canon article at the time. So I came across that he had written it. So I don't know. I don't remember my initial reaction there. But like I touched on earlier, I mean, you know, it's Stallone wrote Rocky with, you know, with him playing him in mind. I mean, he bet a lot. He put a lot on this film. You know, I'm pretty sure he had to sell his dog because mm-hmm. he couldn't afford to pay him. And then when he finally got Rocky Greenlit, he bought his dog back. And I think that's the dog that's in the movie. And, you know, I think... You got you to gotta tell that story completely. I mean, it's, it's worth telling. Oh, well, I, I don't... I'm just going off the top of my head. So, Dal, if you know... I just know he had to sell the dog and then he told... United artists don't even pay me. Like, don't pay me if you let me be the lead. You don't have to pay me. And then I think he got paid just for being dog. Go take it away if you know the full well, story. They, but... I, I I can't give you like dollar specifics, but I remember they they made him an offer on the film for him not to star. I can't remember who they wanted. They wanted some people, you know, big names at the time. He said, "No, I got a star. No deal." The thing is, Stallone was completely broke at the time. He sold his girlfriend's jewelry. She left him. He was living in a in a like a room. He said that he could he could reach across for, sitting on his bed. He could reach across and open the door to leave the you know to leave the apartment. Um, and he was so broke that yes, he had to sell his dog. So he sold his dog, and the the studio offered him came back with counter offers and he kept turning them down. And these offers would have been like, they would have been a windfall for him at the time because, you know, he had nothing. Uh, so he stuck to his guns and finally came back and said, fine, you know, you can start, but you're getting less money. So he goes back to the little bodega or whatever it was where he, he, he stood outside this bodega and was offering his dog for sale. So he goes back to the bodega because he didn't know uh, he had no contact information for the guy that he sold the dog to and he stood out in front of that bodega for like, I, I want to say for days, like three or four days until the guy came in and he offered the guy money and he said, no, I like the dog. I'm not selling him. And so they negotiated and I can't remember what the sum was, but it was a, it was a hefty sum. It was like $15,000 or something like I that. I think it was $15,000 because yeah, you're saying that I had just read this on like a different website or yeah. somebody. Had, and yeah, I think it was 15,000. Like it was like, you know, a couple hundred bucks, I think. That he sold the Plus dog the for, and then movie. yeah, <laughs> you know, the dog. Yeah, I think he sold him for fifty bucks or something like that. But something, yeah, yeah. He, he, uh, he offered him a part in the movie, so the guy's in the movie. Butkus, the dog, is in the movie, and you got to think, man. It's just a, it's a great story. You know, the guy didn't have anything at the time. The dog was the only thing he had. His girlfriend had left him. That that had to have been. Can you just come on? I mean believing in something that much i don't i don't know that there's many of us in the world that can say that we believe in something that much to hold on that tight for that long over such circumstances and that may make the movie mean a little bit more because you feel like it's it's got to be a little bit of stallone in that movie right i mean like that's somewhat a thousand percent yeah i got the numbers now i got he sold the dog for twenty five dollars. 
He got twenty five thousand for the Rocky script, and then of that, he spent fifteen thousand to buy Butt Kiss. <laughs> it's crazy. That's insane. But he believed in himself, and he he did the work. He did the hard work. There's definitely a lot of Stallone in Rocky, and there's a lot of Rocky in in Stallone. And again, you know, we we've talked about a little bit about what makes the movie itself so great, but I think. I think the real reason that this movie is in the canon is because of all of this other stuff that happened outside and around the movie. You know, this the stories that you guys just went through of the fights that Stallone went through to get it made, everything that he did to make sure that this movie got made and to make sure that he was the lead in it. And, you know, this movie in 76 at the 76 Academy Awards this movie was the Rocky of that group. Like this movie should not have won best picture. It was up against network and all the president's men and taxi driver, like other movies that are considered to be some of the best movies of all time. And Rocky is the one that came out on top. That's awesome. I mean, Rocky is also <laughs> considered one of the greatest movies of all time. That's not, that's not, I, no, no, Rocky. but I, I, know what, I, I know what you're saying, Raph, like, I'm not undercutting Rocky. I'm Rocky saying at the time there was no Oscar film. Is yeah, kind of, and I think Rocky was the underdog in that in that, that race, the same way that Rocky was in the fight. That just goes to show you, though, man. You can never underestimate the 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 power of, of storytelling and and the the, the appeal of hope. Uh, of, you know, a happy ending. Hope is a powerful thing. Very powerful thing. Before we get a little a little bit too more off topic uh, from the movie itself. Doll, you mentioned this before, and I, I want to clear out some space for you to go ISO mode on this. But I know you have some words for us about the the score and the music and why it's so awesome. That's like that's the one thing that everyone knows. Well, I guess there are two things that everyone knows about Rocky. It's Adrian and it's the music. So we're Duke and I are going to clear out and we want you to talk about the music for a little bit. Well, first of all, go read my editorial on Screen Age Wasteland. Bam. Yeah. Anyway, what is it? Bill Conti, the 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 guy that did the score. Bill Conti, Genius yeah. score. I think he did. Did he do Karate Kid as well? I mean, um, I don't know. I, I think that the score is almost bigger than the movie in some way. I mean, everyone knows that. Everyone knows those trumpets. Everyone knows that 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 theme song. Um, and I don't know anyone of any age that doesn't hear that and suddenly feel compelled to just like do something, <laughs> like run up some steps or um, the g- gonna fly. Now that was my uh, running. It was on my running playlist. It's yeah. just when you Punch hear that, it's just beef. boom. It's you hear that. Like, you hear that song. You hear those opening notes. That bump, 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 bump. bump and you're like, where's some, where's some beef? Some frozen beef I can go punch. <laughs> Um, I mean, come on. It's, it's primal. It, it, it just, I don't know. It, it turns on parts of the brain that I think are normally just kind of like quiet and sedentary. And, you know, um, it's a very powerful thing. And I, I, I think that, I think there's a few examples, uh, movie examples where the music and the movie go together so well that you cannot separate them. And Rocky is one of the top ones as far as I'm concerned. Um, and there, by the way, um, there's a great 
letter in the liner notes of Rocky written by Stallone about Bill Conti. Um, it's not that long, Raph. Do you want me to do you want me to read it or do you? Yeah, please. Okay. Read it. So this is this is Stallone. Um, Sylvester Stallone had this to say about Conti. Sly, let me introduce you to Bill Conti. I think I nodded, then began to scratch my chin as I inspected Mr. Bill Conti. He was young, thin, acutely intense, detached, dark, black eyes dwelling deep in his skull, something serpent-like in his mannerisms. When I wrote the script for Rocky, I wanted passion music. I wanted a symphony of powerful men, of lonely women, of thick-necked losers, of human ships that crash in the night, of love, of courage, of dignity cast in bronze. I only wish the music could come from inside me, but I was born with ears of stone. Bill Conti shook everyone's hand and walked out the door. Three weeks later, Bill Conti walked in the door with music under his arm. The music began. I was sweating. I am impossible, impossible to satisfy, I thought. I was cheering. How did this thin man with an Afghan dog seize the soul of every character and set it to music? Then it dawned on me. Simple. How could I have not known at our first meeting that he was brilliant? Bill Conti is Italian. Yeah. <laughs> that is... That is so good. Oh, that also boy. totally goes back to what you were saying before of like Sly Stallone is an incredibly intelligent man. Like that's a really well written little little bit. Um, Come on, you can like it. It it bleeds on the page. Like it just jumps off the page at you. It's it's just so rich and well written for sure. And just an incredible story too. You know the way that Stallone is describing the way that he wants the music is a thousand percent what we ended up getting with, um, is it a score or is it an original song? I was confused or is it both? The score doesn't really have song or lyrics, but I think it's a score. Um, yeah, I mean, there's several, there's several themes throughout the movie that are, Mm -hmm. that, that are played. Yeah. I think it's a score. Sorry, that was just a question that I was just curious about that. Either way, it is, I mean, it's got to be up there, top three most iconic, you know, pieces of music from a movie. It, like, is maybe it's Star Wars or Jaws that's above this, and that's it, really? Star Wars, Rocky, Harry Potter comes to mind. Oh, Harry Potter's going back to the future. Back to the future is great, but I don't think it touches Rocky. Sorry, Duke. (sighs) I don't know. I know I just, that just, that just hurt you. No, but it's, it's true. I mean, there's, I mean, as much as I love the Harry Potter music, I think that, I think that someone that's not super familiar with it or super familiar with film could get confused with something else, even Mm -hmm. like confuse it with another John Williams score, but. Rocky, there's no doubt. I mean, the Rocky score is like, I don't know. It's like Coca-Cola or Michael Jackson or I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's a thing unto itself and it's known yeah. everywhere. I mean, and ha- have you guys ever gone to Philly? Have you ever done the Rocky steps? No. One day, maybe. No, I've been to Washington, D.C. I've never been to Philly. I just feel like that's the thing. You know, you go to Philly. You go to the Rocky Steps. There's a freaking statue of a fictional character at the top of the steps. That is like that is how insanely iconic this movie became. And crazy. It, it's amazing to think that this is truly the ultimate underdog story 
that has become such a major part of our culture worldwide that a city built a statue of a fictional character and people travel from all over the world to run up those steps that he runs up and they pump their, their arms up and down in the air and they, and they sing that theme music because it is so damn good. And you truly feel like you're on top of the world. It is so amazing that all of those things came together in the way that they came together in this movie. And I am just like sitting here talking to you guys about it. I am so intensely grateful that all of this exists for, for all of us. Like I cannot imagine a world where, where that song and this movie and that character and, you know, the lines, you know, where none of that stuff exists. I think that's the one thing that is missing from Creed. I know this is a bit of a rabbit trail, but I think Creed is a very, very good movie. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a remake of Rocky, um, but it lacks that catchy theme. It just needed that to punch that whole thing up a little bit. I was really disappointed. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such an insane thing to live up to. You kind of yeah. understand that they weren't able to, to recreate that magic, but I, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think they even, they, they didn't even try. They, they must've, <laughs> it's like they, it's like they thought what you just said and said, nah, screw it. We're just not even going to, I'm not even going to go there. It's never going to reach that level of, of immortality. <laughs> so, you know, oh, well, but I, I recommend listening not, to that. I recommend listening sorry. to that, to that album. Um, front to back. I've got it. Uh, I think it's hard to find on Spotify. Um, I actually have the the vinyl that I got somewhere a few years ago and or not probably longer than that now, but um that's it's it's a it's kind of neat to listen to it on vinyl because it's from the era, you know. So it's like you put that on um when no one else is around and just listen to it front to back and it's 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 just it's a great piece of music, man. The whole thing, not just the, not just the uh, "Gonna Fly Now" or whatever. Um, all the other songs are are incredible. I also forgot how '70s "Gonna Fly Now" is. Like some of mm-hmm. the opening notes and chords of that song are very '70s, which oh, I yeah. totally dig. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Duke, do you have anything else for us more on that training sequence as a whole? I feel like that's sort of the, the maybe not pivotal, but that's like the key moment in this movie. No, I think you guys touched a lot already on quite a bit. I'm just, I just add that, you know, probably the most iconic shot in that film has to be when he gets to the top of the stairs, throws his hands up, and then you got the uh, Philadelphia skyline he's looking over. I think, you That's, know, Twitter, Twitter used to have this, or they still does, uh, probably still do this account called, what is it, Perfect Shots or something? And they oh, just one post perfect like a, shot. One perfect yeah. shot. And that, that would be the one perfect shot from Rocky, I think, where it's just, I don't know, it's just a really great shot, I think, kind of like the moment of you've, you've climbed, you know, you've, you've climbed the mountain, and now you're looking, uh, looking at the journey you've made. Is this that the real climax of the movie? Right there? Oh, I don't know. No, like, could you make an argument that that's it, and like the fight is just like an epilogue? It is interesting because there's that scene with a uh, penguin, Adam West penguin, Berg, Burgess Meredith. Yeah, 
where he's mad at uh, Rocky, and he go, Rocky goes, "Why are you so mad? Why are you so mad? Uh, why do you hate me? You always got a thing. You've always had a thing for me." And he goes, "Because you're running around being like a collector for a loan shark when you could have been the best damn boxer. You had so much potential." And he kind of just lays into it. And then I guess, you know, he, he climbs the stairs. And at that moment, you know, he has, you know, reached kind of peak physical condition. He is now, you know, he's completed the training that he should have done a decade ago. And he's ready to uh, show the world what he's worth. So, I mean, you could make an argument, but I think you do need to have the uh, the boxing. You definitely need to have the, the fight. But I think that whole segment emphasizes another important lesson that the movie probably is trying to teach us. And um, maybe it's best said there, there's a guy, a writer, I think his name is Ryan holiday. I think that's his name. He's a, he writes about stoicism and he has this quote, uh, the obstacle is the way. And so if you argue that the, that the penultimate moment of Rocky is him standing up on the steps with his arms in the air, you could say that, what we're meant to understand uh, from that movie is that the obstacle is the way it's not the end. It's not the fight. And that's been my experience when, when I've had a goal Um, it's, it's, it's the pathway there that's more fulfilling than actual reaching the goal. You hit the goal and you're like, okay, now that that was cool. Now what? So um, him reaching that, the top of those stairs and it being that Mm -hmm. big of a moment, maybe that's what it's telling us. The obstacle is the way. I like that. I I dig that that reading a lot. Um, I would also maybe add there's there's potential that the biggest fight that Rocky has is his battle with himself during that training to be the best version of himself. And, you know, maybe that's what the movie is trying to tell us, that it's not so much about facing the opponent that is Apollo Creed. It's about, you know, facing yourself and, and battling yourself and challenging yourself to to be the best version of you that you can be, uh, whether it be, you know, climbing up those steps or going 12 rounds with the champ or, you know, finding the love of your life in the pet store, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. Absolutely. The, the bigger, the bigger demon is, is, is the one that, that he's battling inside. Absolutely. And I think that before, before we we get to the events of Rocky, I don't know that Rocky ever even expected much more out of himself. You you don't get the sense that you know it, it's hard to get a to get a sense that Rocky even has dreams. So when they do come out and he does start to to reach for him, it's you know because I mean everybody knows somebody like that. And maybe maybe that's maybe that's you. Maybe it's me. Um, someone who's had a dream and they just bury it deep down because it's it's harder to take it out and shine a light on it than it is to just hide it away so when we meet rocky at the beginning of the movie he seems very much like a man who has just resigned himself to his his fate this is this is my life yeah no that's a good point and then he it sort of it gets pulled out of him um yeah again kind of going back to that you know maybe apollo creed just represents some kind of opportunity and that's why he wears all the Uncle Sam stuff. Yeah, that's a great reading. Truly, true. I'm glad we we all came to that reading together, the three of us here. Thank you guys for that. Do you do either of you have any 
final words, other topics of conversation that I may have missed for us on Rocky um, before we get to our recommendations? I was just going to add, well, not add, but it's inter- interesting watching the relationship between Rocky and Adrian develop at, at the beginning. It feels very, mm-hmm. I don't want to say cringy. It feels natural. Like I feel like it's probably one of the most authentic representations of those, like the early type of courting, you know, where you're kind of interested in a girl or you're not quite interested, but you kind of are. And then kind of like that, that back and forth. Cause at the beginning, you're almost like, you know, you, you're looking at it from a 2023 lens. You're almost like, is Adrian just like 100% not interested and he just doesn't give up? But then, no, eventually it's like, no, she does like him. You can see that. And then, I don't know, the brother almost is like, I, I'm not a big fan of the brother character. He seems a bit too much. <laughs> but, uh, and then you see their relationship develop. And that's kind of cool. It feels very natural. It feels very, I feel like, because it's, it's like you almost don't want to watch because it's so like, I'm going to use cringe for lack of a better word, but it, it feels very like authentic. It feels like a, it's not, doesn't feel like it'd be unrealistic. It feels very, uh, and then she kind of, mm-hmm. you know, opens up. I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this. I just thought watching it, I kind of thought, oh, this relationship at the beginning. So I, I, I was thinking, why did he write it like this? Like write it where Adrian's so like, well, she's shy. So then she comes out of her shell a bit, kind of like a turtle. Ooh. And Rocky has a couple You're of You're shy and I'm dumb. I don't know if I'm drawing anything here, but, uh, <laughs> And then I don't know what happens with Adrian and uh, Rocky after. I, I totally, I totally see where you're where you're coming from with that though, Duke. I mean, like rewatching that movie nowadays with modern sensibilities, it can look like he just badgers her until she. <laughs> well, that, and I mean, that's... actually, you know, that that happens in a lot of movies. It happens in a lot of actual relationships, you know. That's true. I think it's I mean, more like naturally awkward the way that yeah. Duke, I think this the, you were you were essentially saying you know like that's how that's how early dates sort of actually happen where before before uh, dating apps and you are, actually had a you actually had to talk to yeah. someone in person you couldn't yeah. rely yeah, on both uh, parties are kind of trying to like feel right, each other yeah. out and it's awkward especially if one party is shy and if the other party is a little dumb. Um, well, you know, it's going to be, think, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's, it's going to be kind of awkward. It's not going to be smooth. It's not very, it's not very cinematic in the sense that, you know, Rocky is this like really suave guy and he can get any woman that he wants, like similar to James Bond or something like that. You know, yeah, he has an awkward no. early relationship with the it, girl that yeah, he likes from the pet it's, store. It's a perfect representation of that. But also, I think, you know, thinking about this now as we're talking, the, the her brother is 100% an instigator, too. Like, he's just feeding Rocky. He's like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, come over for dinner. She knows you're coming. She she wants you there. Shows up. Like, why are you here? I'm, yeah, I'm that guy's a jackass. And, and then she's like, I made a turkey. He goes, pulls the turkey out of the oven, throws it out the window. I forgot about that. I was thinking, aren't these people poor? You're throwing away a perfectly, and that looks like a decent-sized turkey just on the street. I, I was like, buddy, come on. And then he was complaining. As soon as it was mentioned on the TV that Rocky was getting paid like $150,000, oh, you know, uh, you know, you might need a bodyguard or, you know, somebody managing you, you know. It's just he's trying to, right away it seemed like he wanted some of that cash. So that character. Yeah, Paulie's kind of shady throughout the whole, 
yeah series he's uh he's paying i mean that's that's you know that's i don't know that's just to me another example of how this movie is it's really well written it's it's real you know these characters live and breathe um i think nowadays that character would just be like the comic relief Oh, yeah, but Paulie Paul, reads like a real, real character. You know, he's like, he's, what can I get out of this? I, he's an opportunist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a great shout. He is, he's a real dude. He's flawed, and you know, Sly Stallone definitely he understands all of his characters. He understands Rocky the most, but everyone who is sort of in Rocky's orbit is is definitely realized uh in a way that that makes sense within the context of their relationships to rocky uh a hundred percent it's a great for it's a great argument for writing what you know um because when you know when you know people like that you can write those people as characters really well um Mm -hmm. there's a lot of other writer directors that do that really well one of the first ones that comes to mind is uh, Jeff Nichols, I think he, I think he does that really well. He he knows he knows his characters. He's not writing about people that he's never met, doesn't understand. Um, and I think I think Stallone knows these people. I think he knows these characters. I think he I think he knew someone like every single one of these characters in real life. And he knows Rocky. He is Rocky. He is Rocky. Right? What and you Rocky know? That's him. what they say. Yeah, we are all Rocky, or at least we can be. Um, yo. when you yo. put when you put uh when you hit play on uh gonna fly now i mean you are that underdog you are rocky you are going you're on a mission to uh you are geez. gonna run that block you're gonna run around the block for sure the whole block oh you, you know what that's, that's little, the mvp little mini, of this uh that little part. mini story i i wasn't gonna work out today because i just had a lot of stuff going on between prepping for this show and doing my my day job and you know other stuff and I, then I watched Rocky and I got the inspiration I saw him go up those steps and I was like I need to I need to get my ass you know in the gym I need to work out for you know 20 30 minutes at least because I need to be a better version of myself I need to climb up those steps I'm going to fly now and so thank you Rocky this might be the most inspirational movie of all time you know can we say that is that mm. fair I think I like it. I'll allow it. Oh yeah, I agree. I'm glad we're yeah. all in agreement. It's <laughs> it is truly amazing. I, I don't think it can be overstated how incredible it is. How this movie really captured the imagination of of a of a country, of a nation, of a society, of a culture at a time where I think you know I wasn't alive back then, but I think. I think America like really needed Rocky when when we got him, and you know for that I I am thankful. Dude, I can tell I you guess... there, there were gray, gray, gray sweats in every in every department store across the nation for years and years and years and years afterwards. So everyone could train like Rocky. Yeah. How many people were 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 drinking raw eggs in the morning? Dude, oof. Man. You know. Rocky in that interview where he goes, where the interviewer asks him, anybody else punch me before? And he goes, No, I think I invented it. Did Rocky popularize the gray sweatpants, the gray sweat shirt look? 
for running or was that around a lot longer? No, I think, I think that came from that movie. It's a great look. It, it works. Great piece of wardrobing. Now he'd be wearing Lululemon. <laughs> I mean, I that? think Michael B. Jordan literally wears Lululemon in Creed Three during his training montage. Um, well, he's those, already- those those are his uh, Lulu Jordans. I'm sure he's got a nice brand deal. Yeah, I he, love. He made, it, he made it by then. I love all the Rocky movies. I love all the training sequences. I love the Creed movies. I love their training sequences. Nothing's gonna touch the training sequence of this original. It's just, no. it's too good. Too it's good. far too good. The most inspirational movie of all time, declared right. here for you the first time. You heard it here first. Duke Doll, do you guys have anything else on Rocky before we get into our recommendations? Are we talking closing remarks? Uh, closing remarks for the movie. If you, if you guys have any, if you want to say, you know, some final words on it before we get into to that bit. I'm good actually. I'm I'm also good, but I, I have a correction. I just realized that I lied to you guys at the beginning of the podcast. This is not the only boxing movie I've seen because I do have a boxing movie on my recommendations, and I forgot to like hold it up. <laughs> well, I think that's a perfect segue into recommendations. And Duke, I think you just volunteered yourself to go first. All right, so uh, I'm going to make you guys wait a bit longer, and I'm not going to make that my first recommendation. Okay. Instead, we're talking sports dramas. We're talking the 80s. We're talking Sly Stallone. We're talking thumb wrestling. Over the top. Let's go. I think we've all seen Over the Top, right? I've actually never seen Over the Top. Oh, it's I've heard it's awesome. It's not uh, that good, but I needed a Stallone movie. I didn't want to do a Rocky sequel. I want to do something sports-related. Over the Top's fun. It's definitely an 80s film. It would never fly uh, any other time period just because it's cheesy, silly, ridiculous. Stallone plays a truck driver who like arm wrestles for extra cash. I don't know if arm mm-hmm. wrestling's a huge thing in the trucking industry or uh, they made this all up, but it's it's just silly. And then there's a thumb wrestling tournament and Stallone's got this trick. I don't want to spoil it because I know everybody's going to be wanting to watch this movie when I'm done talking about it. But I'm, uh, I'm actually literally adding it to my watch list oh, right now. He's got a trick with his thumb that just, oh yeah, it's the winning trick. And he has to bring his kid along with him for some reason. I forget why, but his kid's kind of a, a wimp, but he goes to military school. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it, it's fun. It's, Silly. So yeah, if you want if you want to uh, see uh Stallone not throw punches but instead grip another man's hand over the top. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great description. I love that. I wanted to bring Stallone. it back to the uh our earlier discussion about how uh the Rocky Three beach scene was homoerotic. You know, I thought, you know, just tie it back like all good writing, all good, you know, movies are supposed to do tie backs, callbacks. You're a pro. You're a pro at this. That's try, why. That's why we keep bringing you back. That's why you get paid the big bucks, Duke. Because uh, you're you're an absolute Full pro. Zero. That's why we love you. Full <laughs> zero dollars. money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Doll, what's your first recommendation? Let's go with 
Gladiator, the 1992 film about boxing, starring uh, oh, not Cuba that Gooding Gladiator, Jr. no, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. and um, what's that other fellow's name? Uh, James Marshall. James Marshall. James Marshall was also in A Few Good Men. I think that's really the only other thing I can remember him from. But um, uh, it's it's kind of a it's 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 a small film. Uh, these guys are high school guys, and they start boxing at Brian Dennehy's gym, and he's kind of a he's kind of an a hole, kind of a crook. I can't remember exactly what the plot is, but they're boxing for him, making him money, and I want to say they're pitted against each other or something, but. They're in like a rough neighborhood in I don't know Detroit or something, and it, you know it's just it's just, it's a small movie. It's not a, a really I wouldn't say it's a really well known movie from the '90s. I think it was on like TBS a lot, but it's good. It's it's a uh, I don't think it's probably four stars at least out of five. So yeah, oh, that's nice. my recommendation. I had not heard of this movie, but. That is also being added to my watch list. That sounds yeah, Cuba, that sounds Cuba, cool. This other guy, James Marshall, uh, Brian Dennehy, probably a couple other you know actors and stuff you'd recognize in it. Ooh. But yeah, yeah, I really I really enjoy that one. I, I go back and rewatch it every every now and then. Very nice. I was when you first said Gladiator, I was intrigued to hear how you're going to tie the Russell Crowe Ridley Scott <laughs> movie to <laughs> to Rocky. But All right, well, I'm going to tie. I'm going to tie that to Russell Crowe in just a little bit, but, but, but you oh. go on. Oh, I think I know where you're going with that one. So for my first recommendation, I am really, really, really excited about this. This was literally when we first started putting together the canon and we're thinking of episode listings. I was already thinking about this recommendation for this movie. So I'm really excited that the day is finally here that I get to tell you guys about it. So for my first recommendation, I am going with another movie that is about an underdog from Philadelphia who has to fight against all odds to achieve an insane amount of greatness that they never could have thought that they would have achieved at the beginning of the movie. It's also inspiring. The music isn't as good, but it's damn good. The cinematography is great. The writing is wonderful. I am, of course, talking about M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. Mm. Okay. I love that movie. Oh, man. It's so good. Um, I think you and I are in a club together, Raph, because I actually also do love that movie. I think it's very underrated. Not a lot of people like it, but I will cape up for that movie every day of the week. And, you know, the the recommendation is a little bit tongue-in-cheek because of the Philadelphia area underdog story. But... You know, I, I I really, really, really love The Village, so I'm happy that I get to recommend it here. Right on. Duke, what's your second? Okay, here we go. Here's my boxing film. Film debut of Jason Bateman. That's right. It's Teen Wolf 2. What is Teen Wolf 2, you ask? I'm glad you asked. Because I feel like this is not the first time we've talked about Teen Wolf 2. We don't think we've talked about Teen Wolf 2. I might have brought up Teen Wolf in Back to the Future because Teen Wolf 2 does not have Michael J. Fox. It's one I of those know. classic I, I, 80s films where it's maybe a sequel it, with almost nobody back from the Maybe original. it was 
maybe it was off air, but I've definitely heard you talk about Jason Bateman in Teen Wolf too before. Wow. <laughs> but so, sorry to sorry to cut you off. Keep going. No, no, no. It's okay. Jason Bateman, whose best film role is 2018's Game Night. I will not take questions at this time regarding that. But Teen Wolf 2 is his film debut. He is Michael J. Fox's cousin in the movie who has also been blessed with the werewolf gene. He goes to university, uh, Styles and um, Chubby, which I guess is his name. Michael J. Fox's friends from the first film also are at this university, um, you know, and uh, he doesn't want to be a boxer, but the coach at the university is the same coach that coached Michael J. Fox's basketball team in high school. He's hoping Jason Bateman's got the werewolf gene. He does. So it's basically Teen Wolf, but with boxing instead of basketball. Uh, it's nowhere near as good. They recast styles. But uh, I thought I needed a boxing movie. When I finally remembered Teen Wolf 2, uh, I just had to uh, recommend that. Watch it with a double feature with Teen Wolf. It's some fun 80s sports comedies. You can't go wrong. I thought... The Village was going to be the most random recommendation today, and you just blew blew it out of the water. That I mean, oh, fun cake. fun fact: <laughs> Michael J. Fox was in Teen Wolf. He also starred in Family Ties. Who else was in Family Ties? You ask. Jason Bateman's sister, Justine <laughs> Bateman. Look at that triangle, huh? There we I don't. Go. I don't even know. I don't know where you're where you're leading us right now. Um, Nothing. I, I was just doing a little. Michael J. Fox might not be in uh, Teen Wolf too, but you can still oh. connect him to Jason Bateman through Justine Bateman. So see, look at that. That's just some '80s fun facts for you guys. Of course, yeah, of course. I um, like, I feel like I'm right back there. I'm, I'm growing a mullet as we speak. Oh, there you go. I can't believe you've never seen The Village, but you've seen Teen Wolf too. Oh, I've seen a lot of. Uh... <laughs> You don't know dude very well. I've seen a lot of 80s movies that I should probably have watched after I watched a bunch of more iconic. Like, I just watched Karate Kid a couple months ago, and I've seen, like... How many times have you seen Teen Wolf 2? I've only seen a couple times. I I watch Teen Wolf a lot more. If Teen Wolf 2 had Michael J. Fox, though, I'd watch it a lot more, but it doesn't. It was, in a, it was in a DVD two pack with Teen Wolf, so that's uh, you know one of those DVDs oh, where Teen yeah, Wolf yeah, is yeah. on the flip side. Yeah, yeah. So you just flipped it over and you watch it. Okay, I get it. Duke, this is why we love you. That is a fantastic recommend. I can't you. promise you that I will ever watch that movie, but maybe because you mentioned it. I mean, you got to see where Jason Bateman uh, started from, right? I'm not a big Jason Bateman fan, oh, and that's well, why I think that we've had this discussion before. <laughs> Doll, what's your second recommendation? Well, um, I'm glad Duke mentioned it because my second recommendation is Karate Kid. Mm. Ooh. What does that have to do with Russell Crowe? Um, I <laughs> don't know. But um, that may that may come later. We'll see. Oh, okay. uh, Karate Kid is basically like the 80s version of Rocky. Think about it. It's like the more mainstream, updated story. It's a little more. It's a little more rock and roll. It's a little more. It's a little more. You know, mainstream pop. Uh, it's got a more uh, typical ending where he actually does win. But I mean, he goes up against this all-American-looking boy, 
And come on, the main character's even Italian. I mean, it's practically a remake. If you haven't seen Karate Kid, you gotta go see Karate Kid, man. Wax on, wax off. Embarrassed to admit that I've never seen Karate Kid. At least in any meaningful way. I feel like I have seen it and like parts of it growing up, but I've never sat down with purpose to watch Karate Kid. I think Karate Kid, like if you could, I don't know, if you could take a pill and and have an 80s experience, Karate Kid is like the pill. It's just so 80s. You know what? Maybe I'll watch it today. Feeling frisky. Let's do it. You might, you might go. You might go work out again. Be careful. (laughs) (laughs) No one's going to stop me. Illegal crane kicks might be coming out at the gym. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Watch watch out, everyone. I love it. Um, That's a great recommend. I I dig that pick, doll. Both of your recommends are making it to my watch list, which is not something that we can say for Dukes. (laughs) I think I've seen... I think I saw Team Wolf 2 when I was a kid, so... I'm going to pass on revisiting that one. <laughs> and But Duke right. is definitely going to watch The Village. Um, uh, I'm not a big M. Night Shyamalan. I'm Shyamalan. God. You, you are or are I'm not? not? Not too much. I still haven't seen Sixth Sense. Okay. But, but that's more of a, once you know the twist, it's kind of like, you know, your enthusiasm for I feel watching a movie diminishes. For sure. Not not with that movie. That movie, okay, that movie is me. spectacular, even if you know the twist. I mean, it's still got Bruce Willis when he had hair, so that's you know that's when he was still trying. So okay, okay, I might give it a shot. It's it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. So my second recommendation is not M Night Shyamalan related in any way. My second recommendation is a book by film producer Erwin Winkler. He is a really important person in the history of filmmaking. He produced Rocky. He also produced Raging Bull. He produced all the Rocky sequels. He produced Goodfellas. He's done a lot of work with Scorsese and Sly Stallone. I think he was like pretty important in bringing, like, bringing United Artists back to sort of prominence in like the seventies with Rocky. So, if you want a book about, you know, working in the film industry from the producer side, he's a guy who he himself doesn't really have the tools to you know, make a good movie, you know, he's not a good director, he's not an actor, but he's someone who understands all of those things. And I feel like we need more producers like this, people who respect the art that the creatives make and don't just see them as line items on a spreadsheet. Check out A Life in Movies by Erwin Winkler. It's a really fun, really quick read about his his life in the film industry. Nice. Nice, nice. He's the only producer with three movies on the AFI top 100 list. I would assume he's also the only producer with, or maybe one of few producers who have three or more movies in the canon. Uh, We've got Rocky, we've got Raging Bull, and we've got Goodfellas. So good dude. Uh, Well, maybe not good dude, but good book. Good read. Good good producer. Good producer. Good producer. Good read. All right, before I talk myself into any more of a whole Duke, what's your third? <laughs> Raph, you're going to love me. It's not a movie. It's not a recipe, but it's not a movie. My final recommendation is to go to your local boxing gym. 
Nice. Go to your boxing club. Go to the academy. You know, there's these 30 minute fit hit type deals where you go and kind of do a punching bag workout, I believe, or a boxing type workout. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do a Google, see what's in your area. And why not? I'm sure they, you know, don't go to the ones where they're all like hardcore boxers. I think they probably don't want to teach a newbie, but they're, I think a big city, even small city, should have places that are welcoming to uh, new player, new players, new boxers, people who want to get into it, or you know, yeah, they're all gonna fly on and uh, see what you're made of. That's awesome. That's that's a great recommendation, Duke. Hey, I, I got a vouch for for Duke's recommendation. Boxers are legit. They, you know, besides being a, a good workout, they can handle themselves. There, there we go. Hey, and I, I this wasn't, I, I didn't pick this as a recommendation just because I couldn't think of a third one. No, 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 no. This was, this was, uh, this was legit. This, this was from the heart. I did want to ask you guys if either of you have taken boxing classes. No, but I, I don't know if I want to. I, I mean, I would take a boxing class. Mostly, you I just, just kind of want to. it. I just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a hypocrite I am. I, I would like to, you know, throw a couple punches on a punching bag or something like that i would be game but i haven't taken any classes no no nor nor have i looks fun though when you see it in films same here i also haven't but now we have to because duke told us to that that can be the saw meetup whenever we all do a big old meetup we'll just it'll be at a boxing club and we'll (laughs) take out everything we hate about each other in the the ring All our pent up grievances. Yeah, I can't believe you said that about whatever movie. Yeah, doll. What's your final? Yeah, we're up to the third. What's your final recommendation? I promised that I was going to tie it to Russell Crowe, but I'm pulling a late game uh, play change here. I'm going to recommend The Color of Money. Ooh, nice. I I think it's I think it's similar enough in terms of plot. But also, Tone came out about 10 years after uh, Rocky. But it kind of hits that mean streets, urban decay, inner city, kind of hanging around low lives, not shady types, not sure what you're getting into, sweet spot. It's Scorsese. And I think it's, I don't know if it's, one of his underrated films. I just don't hear people talking about it that much. But it's such a good movie. It's such a good movie. And, um, you know, if you're if you're used to modern movies, you might find it to be a little bit slow, slowly paced. But I, I really don't, I don't think it is. I think it, I think it is um, just a really well told story. And I think it keeps you engaged the entire time. Tom Cruise, Paul Newman, and... Uh, Lee, what's the woman's name? Um, dang it, she's a fantastic actress. I can't remember her name. Anybody? Sorry, I can't help. I I haven't seen Color of Money. Um, another oh, one. That's, oh, that um, actress. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah. Mary Mary Elizabeth Mastro Antonio or something. Oh like yeah, that. you got it. Nice. There he Mary is. Mary Elizabeth Mastro Antonio. Yeah, yeah. Fancy. She's fantastic in it. By the way, Color of Money is so good. Okay, that's that's another one. It's on my radar. I got to check out. Oh, um, there are just there are too few hours in the day and too many movies to watch. But oh, she's in the will, January man. That's also a good film. Yeah. We will get around to it at some point. I do like 
I like that pick. I like both of your final recommends. My my last one is a movie that I think is I use this phrasing a lot, but I think it's in conversation with Rocky, or I think Rocky is in conversation with it. I'm recommending a movie from I believe '54, uh, the great Marlon Brando, the great Elliot Kazan. I am recommending On the Waterfront, which is to me in a way, I think the character that Brando is playing is sort of a a version of Rocky that never got that chance, right? Or Rocky is a version of Marlon Brando's character who does get the opportunity of a lifetime and he takes advantage of it. So yeah, I think those movies are super similar. You know, blue collar, sort of guy, down in his luck, boxer, all he knows how to do is fight. And Rocky gets the opportunity and and on the waterfront, he he does not get the opportunity. But that is one of the better... That's one of the better movies ever made, so it's a classic. I would highly recommend checking it out if you have not seen it. Fun fact, Elia Kazan and I went to the same high school. Many years apart, but still went to the same high school. Where'd you go to high school? New Rochelle High School in New Rochelle, New York. Oh. Yeah. Just outside of the city, he's probably our most famous uh, graduate of that school. Hmm. And he... You know, he directed some pretty good movies, including On the Waterfront. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys have seen it, if you guys dig it, but that's my final. I've, heard of it, I've, but I've no, never uh, seen it, so I'm going to add it. It's great. It's great. Oh, Streetcar Named Desire. Yeah. Did a lot of work with Brando and made one of, like, the two. Um, Oh, my God. Why am I blanking on his name? One of the two James. Dean? Holy shit. Who? James Dean movies. Yeah. It's like Rebel Without a Cause and East of Eden, I think, is the other one. Um, mm, you got East of Eden. I don't see Rebel of... Uh... Rebel Without a Cause wasn't him. So those oh, okay. are the two Dean movies. Oh, and Kazan directed one of them. But On the Waterfront is really, really great. And I would totally recommend checking it out. Um, I once, If you guys get around to it, I would be interested to hear your thoughts in terms of how it connects to, to Rocky. Listeners we would also be interested in how you think all of our recommendations connect to Rocky. We're also interested to hear your thoughts in general about Rocky. So you know where to reach us. You can reach us on the website, screenagewasteland.com. You know, there's a post up uh, for this episode. Drop a comment. Tell us your thoughts on Rocky. Tell us your thoughts on the episode. Tell us your thoughts on our thoughts. Duke, Dahl, before we say our final goodbyes, let's run through our recommendations one more time. Same order. Duke, kick us off. Uh, my first recommendation was another Sly Stallone film, Over the Top. Then I had Teen Wolf 2, arguably the second greatest boxing film after Rocky. <laughs> and then I, uh, my last recommendation was to go out and check out what your city or town has for local boxing rings or classes all right mine were um gladiator not the russell crowe gladiator gladiator with cuba gooding jr and that other guy with the spiky hair from a few good men and brian dennehy boxing movie nice little film from the 90s karate kid the original and the color of money amazing my three we've got the village Philadelphia underdog stories, 
We've got A Life in Movies, a memoir by Erin Winkler, the producer of Rocky. And last but not least, we've got On the Waterfront, great movie starring Marlon Brando from the 50s. Hey, we did it. That was rad. That was awesome. The Triple Ds, Duke, Doll, and Daff. Hey, that's rad. awesome. Rad. rad. There's, a, there's a movie that you can tie into Rocky. It's got Talia Shire in it, and it's basically a remake of Karate Kid. What, where was this about 10 minutes sneak, ago? You're trying to sneak in more recommendations? You know, I'm just trying to help you guys out. I'm just trying to, you know, if Duke hasn't seen this movie... Uh, oh, I own it and I haven't watched it all. And we oh, talked about it like dude. two years ago. I think it was filmed in Canada, so you need to get on that. Oh, no, not. Oh. He needs I to gotta say, it. between me and Dahl, we listed off about four or five great 80 sports films Color of Money, wow. Karate Kid, Over the Top, Teen Wolf 2, Rad Now. I mean, there's a the 80s. Dude, the 80s were rad. great. Even though Rocky was the 70s. But the franchise lives on in the eighties. Yeah, gentlemen, I think we I think we just about covered it. Anything to note? Anything to plug for the website or anything else that y'all have going on? Hey, I, I'd just like to say that uh if, if you're out there listening to this, you probably don't need to hear this, but just in case you do, see movies that challenge you. See movies that are not um that don't follow the JJ Abrams school of filmmaking where you need a constant carrot in front of you to keep you engaged. Watch movies like Rocky that try to get at the heart of what it means to be a human being on this planet. We need more movies like that. We need people to care about stuff like that. It's got to be more than just whispering special effects and bullshit like that. So see these movies. Thank you, doll. Duke, you got anything to top that? Like Raf said, you can uh, see the Canon article that I wrote on Rocky on Screen Edge Wasteland. You can also see Dahlgren's, not see, well, you can see with your eyes and then read it with your eyes. Dahlgren's uh, soundtrack review for Rocky, that's also on Screen Edge Wasteland. And if you want to check out some top 100 lists from the 70s and 80s, you uh, might come across some uh, a few Rocky characters, maybe. So yeah, go exploring. We love it. Thank you, dudes, again. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. We will see you on the show sometime soon. Take Thanks care, a lot, boys. guys. Really appreciate it. Hey, this has been fun as always, Raph. Uh, see you next time. Mm-hmm.